in 86. N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Club. Hi, hi. Hi, hi. Sorry. Hi, hi. Let's introduce ourselves with a little bit of energy and enthusiasm. You know the yawning through hi hi was <laughs> good enough. I have now edited enough episodes where I'm just like excitedly talking about something, and your response is literally through a yawn. Yeah. That I know that in fact that doesn't come across as uh, as super excited. We record so late. <laughs> All right. Well, it's an early record today. Hi hi and welcome. Hi hi and welcome. To the Babysitter's Club Club, a podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, I, Tanner Greenring, talk about the classic novels in the epic 130-book Sitter's Cycle by Princeton's own Princess and Matthews Martin. Princeton's own, not Princess. <laughs> you get confused. <laughs> it's just kind of stuck in my head now. I don't think she's actually a princess. Well, she fucking should be. Yeah. Well, obviously. This this week we read a Mallory point of view. Yeah. It was mysterious. Uh-huh. It was full of twists and turns. Yep. There were many ghosts. <laughs> yep. Maybe we should just get in, dive into talking about it. The book? The book, yeah. I guess so. Let's talk about the book. Okay. Here's how we tend to do that. I... No. It's pretty cool. Um, Baby Nation Tanner has upended an entire box of paper clips onto my table, uh, which is a classic deflectionary technique. Why do you have so many paper clips anyway? They come in large boxes, and the, the clips are for clipping paper. What are you clipping? I'm a, I'm a 37-year-old man. Sometimes I have <laughs> papers pieces of paper that I need to clip together. Is it the papers you're using to study for your citizenship test? Oh, because you just you told me today that you sent off your paperwork to finally become an American an citizen. American citizen. That is accurate. Baby Nation, as of yesterday, I am an official applicant to be an American. Baby Nation, I encourage all of you to reach out to your congressman <laughs> and say, "Do not let this man become an American." <laughs> God bless the stars and bars. Yeah, God bless the stars and bars. Yeah. No, do let him become an American. He needs it. Yeah. America needs it. He, yeah, we need it. <laughs> <laughs> Reach out to your congressman and say, I want Jack Shepard to be an American. Yeah, and we can, we can finally talk about America stuff on this podcast. It's the only thing that's holding us back. What What's your favorite American stuff? Oh, hamburgers. Yep. Frankfurters. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> we call them hot dogs here in America. <laughs> Uh, sweets i'd love your sweets uh-huh <laughs> um pudding you guys have amazing pudding yeah yep like Very jello good. pudding yeah no like puddings that you have after your supper uh-oh uh-oh <laughs> i think you got a little bit more studying to do my man <laughs> um go ahead and lead us in the the pledge of allegiance jack uh, we all learned it growing up yeah, 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 yeah um i uh pledge allegiance yep uh to uh the american nation yep uh, and may all of the stars and all of the bars mm-hmm. shine down upon us and uh, American exceptionalism. Yeah. Woo. 
let's talk about how something else goes, and that something else. Good segue. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Is a little book that is called Mallory, Mallory and, and the, the Mystery, Mystery Diary. Diary. Book number 29, episode 30. Let's not get into that. Let's get into talking about it. Here's what we like to do here on the Babysitter's Club Club podcast, hosted by me, Jack Shepard. Wow. Okay. <laughs> hey, man. You left yourself hanging out to dry there. We've already done that. I and me, Tanner Greenring. <laughs> I know. Uh, what we like to do, I like to give a brief one to, let's say, to five-sentence description of what happened in this novel. Something to whet your appetite. And then uh, my colleague and co-host and equal partner in this endeavor, Tanner Greenring, will follow up with a 60-second timed exploration of the deeper themes and narrative drive of the book. Are you ready to do that, sir? Very ready. Good. Well, allow me to begin with my summation. When... 11-year-old Mallory Pike discovers an old diary belonging to a girl named Sophie who had lived in the house next door almost 100 years ago. She creates a bond across the decades that will change her forever. As she learns more and more about Sophie's life, she finds comfort and inspiration in the many things they have in common. This heartwarming tale of two souls reaching out to each other across the gap of ages will move you with its eloquence, inspire you with its wisdom, and every now and then, frighten you with its ghosts. Because there are a literal fuckton of scary ghosts in this book. Mallory and the Mystery Diary. Book number 29, Babysitter's Cycle. Jack, you are a pedant asshole. <laughs> okay. Do you agree? Uh, yes. <laughs> what is a literal fuck ton of ghosts? <laughs> well, you, sir, should know. Give me some conversion rates. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, when people say a fuck ton, mm-hmm. They're talking about a... Is it like a buttload? It's like a buttload. Okay. But when we're talking about a literal fuck ton, that means that it's a quantifiable number. Yeah. But a, a ton number, is 2,000 pounds. Right. A fuck ton... A fuck ton is 2,000 pounds to an exponential degree that is impossible for the human mind to contemplate. Okay. But it is 2,000 pounds. Yes. Okay. There are 2,000 pounds of ghosts in this book. Okay. That's a lot of ghosts. Yeah, there's a shit fucking... Well, I was going to say a shitload. There's a fuck ton of ghosts. Now, what is a shitload? (laughs) I can't. Don't you dare. Will you grant me that there are some ghosts in this book? No. Here's why. Okay. You know who my my gal is? Yeah. In these books? Christy. Christy. Christy Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. You know what Christy decides about two-thirds of the way into this book? She decides to make a mockery of the whole fucking affair. Ghosts don't fucking exist, Jack. Wow. Okay. So, no, I disagree with your your premise that there's a fuck ton of ghosts. So you would say that there's literally zero ghosts. Literally zero ghosts in this book. Wow. Name one ghost. Ben Brewer. Nope, not a ghost. Uh, Karen's great-grandfather Ben Brewer. Yeah. Never comes up in this book. Jared Mulroy. The ghost that haunts the secret passage in Dawn's house. Yeah, never proven. Shows Nikki up Pike. in this book. Nikki Pike. The ghost of Sophie. Yeah, not a ghost. 
who Jesus, writes the just... mystery diary and vows to haunt Christy Stacey's blew house. the lid. Why? Let's not. I don't want to. Let me do my recap. All right. Let's I feel ha- like we're getting into plot now. And... Good. Well, there's a lot of plot in this book. Baby Nation, baby bees, baby boys, baby girls, and Tanner Greenery. I'm going to put 60 seconds on this clock. You're going to pay attention to me, sir. Not not you, baby nation. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Sir? You can you can continue to let this be background while you're doing the important things of your life. Tanner? Yeah. This is the important thing of your life. I'm going to put 60 seconds on this clock. You're going to tell the baby nation what happened in this book. I'm going to start right now. Let's go now. Stacy moves back to Stony Brook. We've already been over that. She moved into an old creepy house that's directly behind Mallory's house. They're cleaning out the attic. They find a bunch of old shit, including an old trunk. Mrs. McGill says Mallory can have the trunk. She brings it back to her place. It's locked, but eventually the tension becomes too much, and they unlock the chest. Uh, what What is inside is a bunch of old costumes and a diary from Sophie, who lived in 1894. The diary talks about how Sophie's great-grand... No, Sophie's grandfather... Uh, um, exiled Sophie's father and, and uh, mother uh, out of the city um, because the father had stolen a painting of the mother. Um, it turns out that that didn't happen. The grandfather actually had the painting painted over because when his daughter died, he was too sad to look at her. Um, Buddy Barrett is having a hard time with reading and Mal um, tutors him. That's the end of your 60 seconds. There are a lot of concerns with text and Good. the different kinds of text. Yeah. How we relate to text. Buddy Barrett's having a real hard time with text. Yeah, Buddy Barrett is is the first uh, f- fan favorite. Mrs. Barrett continues to neglect her children. Yeah. Uh, Buddy a, Barrett included. She's a working girl, as she's they a, say. She's a working girl. <laughs> she comes home from her work, uh-huh. and uh, she's like... Mallory, I don't know what I'm going to fucking do. Buddy's struggling with reading, and I don't care to teach him. I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. Buddy just needs a tutor. He's having yeah. such a hard time. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> so Mal agrees to teach Buddy how to read. Yeah, he knows how to read. <laughs> teach teach him how to read good. Yeah. And so that that's one of the ways in which a character in this book sort of struggles with text. Uh-huh. Another one is Mallory herself, who discovers a diary. Belonging to one Sophie. Sophie. Hickman. Sophie Hickman. She discovers this diary from this girl in... 1894. Yeah. And it is utterly devastating. I mean, it... Yeah, I guess. But it's mostly just like the kind of stuff you'd expect to read from like a 13-year-old girl in 1894. She's yeah. got a crush on a boy named Henry. She has a crush on a... Like, she plays a lot of parlor games. Yeah. And then her mom dies because of like terrible healthcare standards under Grover Cleveland's America. She just like... She's like, I play parlor games and I have a crush on a boy in my class. Oh, and then my mom fucking died. Yeah, giving birth to her... Um, her little brother. Who and, also dies. Who also dies. And then... Her, like, wicked grandfather disowns Who them. we've met before, Baby Nation. Yeah. Baby Nation, if in you read... spectral state. Yeah. Uh, Marianne's, Marianne and the Bad, bad luck, luck Mystery. Mystery. Yeah. You will remember, Baby Nation, mm-hmm. that the girls are enticed to go to Stony Brook Cemetery at midnight on Halloween night and go to the, um, the grave marker of... Someone named Old, Old Hickory. Hickory. 
Guess who old Hickory is, y'all? It's Mr. Hickman. Hickory. Sophia's grandfather. Right. Richest man in Stony Brook in 1894. Yeah. He's back. He's back. And he is the perpetrator of a crime against humanity. Okay. He allows Sophie and her family to die in penury. He accuses Sophie's father and disowns... He's got a social standing to maintain, Jack. He disowns the family. They fucking die. Like, I don't... Anna Martin sets up this thing that is this parallel between Mallory and Sophie, right? Yeah. She's like, oh, Mallory's an 11-year-old girl. Sophie's an 11-year-old girl. They're, like, they both like to write diaries. Like, they both have crushes on boys occasionally. They both are interested in clothes. And then... Like, Sophie's life just spins the fuck out of control. Are you threatening Mallory right now? (laughs) I'm not personally threatening Mallory. I'm saying that I'm worried about Mallory. The parallel structure of this book is very clearly stated. It sounds like you're threatening Mallory. I wouldn't threaten Mallory. Uh, There is a moment where Anna Martin fucking winks at us and essentially threatens Mallory. Here's something that, that... Mallory says very early on in the book, I feel as if I'm going to be 11 forever. My ninth year went by in a flash. My 10th year went by in a flash. But my 11th year already seems a decade long. Yeah. It's fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. Because as we know from Anna Martin's stated commentary on these texts, Mallory will never be 12. Right. And I guess maybe that's the thing, right? Like Sophie, like her life spiraled out of control. Also, and, you know who never lived to see the age of 12? Sophie. Right. Not because she died. Maybe she did. Yeah. And never gets into it. She probably did. But. Knowing in morbid Matthews Martin. It's the same thing. Sophie is the, the Mallory to our Mallory. Does that. No, I'd love for you to unpack that a little bit. <laughs> we are reading this, these books. Yeah. That are a, a snapshot of a moment in time in which these girls will never age. They'll always be captured in the amber that is these books. Right. Mallory is reading a book, a diary. Oh, my God, about a girl who's trapped in time. That is a snapshot of a moment in 1894. She will never escape that moment. She will never live past that moment. This is the babysitter's club of the babysitter's club. Do you think that somebody right now is reading a book about us? Absolutely. Our listeners are listening to us right now, Jack. Trapped in a fucking moment. Like this, we're stuck here. We're stuck here and we will always be here. I'm fucking freaking out right now. Yeah. (laughs) We're ghosts in the amber. Oh, shit. We're selfies and Mallory's to to the baby bees. Yeah. I want to, I just like, I want to do something to affirm my mortality. Let's burn ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, let's push, let's do a live show. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that's. I think answer. we could go either way. I think we could <laughs> turn on your burners and burn our faces, just to just to feel alive in this moment. Uh-huh. Or we can maybe maybe do a live show. Wait, well, everyone's gonna come home and she's gonna be like, really? <laughs> she's like already indulging us by like going out and like getting a coffee at the coffee shop across the street or whatever. We're like, listen, so this is can, complicated, but yeah. It's like we really? were terrified for our own mortality for a moment. <laughs> We need to reaffirm that we're alive. Um, The next thing that Mallory says in that same fucking passage, where she's like, oh, I think I'm going to be 11 forever. She goes, I hate my nose. Like, can you imagine those two things being like the two 
driving things in your life. Think about you have that, like, man. You're stuck. You're stuck with who you are yeah. for eternity. Yeah. You're never. You're literally never going to turn twelve. That that her nose is what she's obsessed about this millennia. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that you're going to have to live with that. Yeah. Like that's it. You're going to spend an eternity, lives upon lives upon lives. Right. Worrying about. Your fucking nose. That's just, that's temporary. Yeah. That's what she's worrying about from the years 3000 BC to 8000 AD. Yeah. She's got a lot of time to worry about a lot of things. Yeah. As do we. As do voices we. in the darkness. I. Ringing out from the internet. I fucking like my nose. I think I have a, a, a real good nose. I've never thought about my nose. Is yeah. it weird? It's fine. Thank you. <laughs> like it fits in your face. You know? Yeah, thank you. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, give it a trophy. You know who yeah. else I'm a little bit worried also might be a ghost? Who else are you concerned also might be a ghost? We know from these texts, and Baby Nation, you know from previous episodes, that Anna Martin uses codes when one of our beloved babysitters has been taken by one of the supernatural factions. Yeah. Over and over again, for weeks, anytime anyone mentioned Claudia, they would go into how smooth and porcelain and doll-like her complexion had gotten, right? Well, let me read you this description of one of the babysitters, and you tell me whether you think someone has turned into a ghost. Okay. She has the L-O-N-G-E-S-T, blondest hair I've ever seen. It's almost white and sparkling bright blue eyes here's an interesting fact about her she lives in a very old farmhouse with a secret passage that might just be haunted by a ghost wow it doesn't sound like it might be haunted by a ghost oh it's it sounds like it is haunted by a ghost and that ghost name is don schaefer don schaefer may have been taken by the ghost yeah and guess who literally does not appear in this novel at all except by mention or by repute don fucking schaefer woof you kidding me i think the ghost had taken don yeah and that's terrifying to me. This book was interesting in that Anne Martin chose to have a confluence of all three of the major occult forces in Stony Brook. Right. There's a moment where they go to the attic. Who? Christy? Christy, Christy. and crew? Karen. Because David they go Michael. to the attic because Christy is inspired by the story of Mallory and Stacy finding yeah. an old trunk in their attic. Yeah. And it turns out that, that Watson Brewer's house has an attic and that is literally what they mean by attic is a full fucking fourth floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With rooms that they never go to. And like Watson just like once a year will climb the staircase to like throw some Christmas ornaments. Yeah. Like, there's an entire fourth floor on his house. Nobody goes up there. With rooms. Nobody goes up there because... Like, there's bedrooms up there. Yeah. Boo-boo the cat won't go up there. Because everyone's like, oh, overweight and he has a hard time with stairs. <laughs> or because he is afraid, as Karen Brewer says, of the ghost of Ben Ben Brewer. Not just the ghost of Ben Brewer. Right. The ghost that terrified Ben Brewer to death. Yeah. The headless ghost. Right. Which... As David Michael points out, isn't as scary as a non-headless ghost because it can't see you, which I thought was... Sound logic. Sound logic. Yeah. I'm sure you caught this line. They go up to see the ghosts. The room was a dusty mess, and it was dark, even with some light filtering through a dirty window. But it was the most interesting of the rooms so far. Karen had run to a brass doll's bed with two ancient-looking dolls nestled in it. One of them looked like an old man, and one of them didn't have a head. 
Right. Well, we don't know we because can, we, we don't can presume. Yeah. And then the fucking literal next moment, they hear a voice, and Karen says, "Oh, it's the witch next door. I can see her house out the window. I bet she's a friend of Old Ben Brewer's and has powers in this attic. And she and the ghost have caught David Michael. Because David Michael temporarily let's take it missing. off." Ghosts. Yeah. Dolls. Yeah. Witches. Yeah. Everyone's in the fucking attic. Right. The only other major faction missing from this passage uh-huh. is the demons. Right. The Prince of Darkness himself. Logan. Logan Bruno. Yeah. Who Snake also never seems to make an appearance in this book. Yeah. I don't know what the demons are up to, but it can't be good. This is the first book that we have had where the seven are officially one. Last week, Stacy. Uh, McGill moved back to Stony Brook. Right. And now this is the first book where the seven babysitters are one. The circle is complete. And what do they do as their first act as a united seven? They hold a fucking seance. They do hold a seance, yeah. They hold hands around a table. Yep. Madame Kristen comes. In the, yeah. Is is the um, medium Mm -hmm. through which the spirits enter our plane. They speak through her. To the babysitters. Uh-huh. They do manage to contact a spirit yeah. named Sophie, a young girl named Sophie. Uh-huh. Um, I can't quite remember what she says, but... Um... Christy, Christy, because she's the fucking... Oh, no, wait. I do remember, because it's my... And fuck you. I do remember because it was my burn of the week. Christy wow. burned them, y'all. Yeah. Guess what? Ghosts aren't fucking real. Wow. Yeah. Turns out <laughs> ghosts aren't real. And you know who knows that? Christy Thomas. So wow. they go and hold this seance where they try to contact the spirit of Sophie. And Christy says, I volunteer to be the... the Like the channeler. The channeler. Yeah. Um, so she shows up. She doesn't volunteer. She fucking insists on it because Christy, like, can't, literally can't let somebody else take charge of anything for the world. Yeah, that sounds like an admirable trait. She's a born leader. She's a, like, Mallory is like, hey, I have this cool idea. Let's do a seance. And Christy is like, oh, thanks, Mallory. Hey, everybody, I had this cool idea. Let's do a seance. And well, I'm the channeler. Christy has it. a specific reason why she wants to be the channeler, and it's so she can drop the sickest burn. <laughs> In the world on the fucking babysitters club. <laughs> everyone's like everyone's like losing their fucking minds. Like Marianne is crying in the background. Yeah. They're she's all just terrified. Like, she's fucking weeping. She's like calling low. This is like also Stacy's life. Like yeah. she has to live in this house. Stacy just moved back and she's like, What the fuck? Like my my attic is haunted. I don't know how to fucking deal with this. Mallory is like, I just read this diary that's about this girl who's like essentially just like lived the saddest life that I could possibly imagine in Grover Cleveland's America. Yeah. And then Christy is like, all right, I'll fucking hold the seance. She shows up in a turban and what they call gypsy clothes. Um, We don't say that anymore, but it's in the text. It's in the text. We say Roma now. Let's not dwell on it. She's dressed as a Roma. Uh (laughs) She's got makeup on Mm -hmm. and she insists that everyone call her Madame Kristen. Mm -hmm. Uh, She sits at the table. Everyone locks hands. Mm Mm-hmm. The seven or one. They begin to meditate on the spirit of Sophie, mm-hmm. trying to draw her into this world. 
I am here, she wailed. I, Sophie, am here. (laughs) I gasped. Then I held my breath. I didn't want to frighten Sophie away. Speak to me, said Sophie. Sophie, I said, this is Mallory Pike. I know. You do? Yes, I know everything. Did, did you find the painting and clear your father's name? Yes. <laughs> where was the painting, asked Don. It had never disappeared. It was hanging where it always hung. But Grandfather Hickman, God rest his soul, lost his glasses and just thought it had disappeared. <laughs> really? I asked. Madame Kristen burst out laughing. Of course not, you goon, <laughs> she said in her regular Christie voice. I can't get Sophie to speak through me. Are you crazy? <laughs> now let's party. <laughs> I'm starved. She just like, she, she gaslit yeah. the entire babysitter's club. She shows up. Made them go through this whole process of like yeah. buying snacks, throwing a party so that they could hold a seance. She's like wearing a fucking turban. They like lit candles on the table. They drew the curtains. Marianne is fucking like weeping at this point. Just like, just <laughs> the like lights an, are flickering on and yeah. off. Like yeah. Yeah. Sophie is trying to break through. <laughs> Yeah, but like just yeah. through like Christie's sheer force of will, she's like, no, 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 fuck yeah. this. Ben I got Brewer, the hottest burn. Ben Brewer is like rattling the windows. Yeah, <laughs> like the table is like three feet above the ground. Right, and Christie's just like so caught up in her hubris that right. she's just like, yeah, fuck you, goons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She burned the babysitters club and she burned the ghosts. Are we in a segment called Burn of the Week? Could be. Yeah. It just it seemed like a seamless. Yeah. Maybe no. we can revisit your Burn of the Week later. Yeah, no, it feels good. I feel like I should lean into it. Okay. But my burn of the week this week yeah. is also... Huh? Huh? Claudia's Closet! What? What? Is that a thing we do? I don't know. What? (laughs) Everyone was wearing weird shit this book, man. I don't even know how to wrap these things together. Christy is wearing a full Roma outfit. She's wearing like a turban and like baggy pants. Yeah. She's got false eyelashes, bright lipstick on her cheeks with big blotches of rouge. She's wearing a baggy peasant blouse, a long flowing skirt with gaudy flowers printed on it, and tons of jewelry. She must have, like, gone out and spent a fucking fortune. No, she didn't have to, man. She got all of that from the trunks in Watson Brewers. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. I refuse to call it an attic. It's his fourth floor. (laughs) Watson Brewer. Dude, Watson, if you're listening to this podcast, what are you doing, man? Like, you have a fourth floor of your house and you just, like, never go to it? Like, seven kids. Yeah. And, like, you have them sharing rooms because you're like, oh, we don't go to the fourth floor. <laughs> yeah. My cat doesn't like it, so. <laughs> like, no wonder your fucking daughter, Karen, has, like, crazy fucking, like, <laughs> off-the-wall conspiracy theories. Well, as we know, the gardens are Watson's domain. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. <laughs> we had a fan write in. With a pretty crazy theory about that. With a pretty 
legit fucking theory about that. There's a line in a podcast that you may or may not listen to called the Little Sister Podcast. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's very good. It's fine, but there's a line in it. The gardens are Watson's domain. Right. That He's we like were trying to ask the brown. But it's like honestly, like you have to read these books to to, to get the full flavor of that. But it that line comes out of nowhere. Right. <laughs> Baby B. Jessica wrote in yep. to point out to that. Jack and Tanner at Babysitters Club Club dot com. Yep. Our email address. Email us anytime. Yep. To point out that you know who else has gardens as her domain? Who? The witch Morbid of Destiny. And that therefore, maybe that some it of It confirms us, my theory. It confirms your theory. That Morbid of Destiny is a sentinel. <laughs> Good. She's there to like watch Karen, like observe her her growth, observe a, her magic potential. She's a Snape, as she's baby Snape. Jessica pointed out. Sentinel. Maybe Morbida isn't as bad as we thought. Did I say Sentinel? Funny? Is that what you're ca- getting caught up on? You said Sentinel. Yeah, I said it like um, the guy from Les Mis sings it in that song, <laughs> in the song Stars. Good. Okay. Great. Nice. Stars. In their multitudes. Okay, no, 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 don't, but don't, definitely don't sing it yeah, yourself. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because that's because it's rights. Yeah, awful. like rights stuff. No, because yeah, just, we don't want to get stung by our lawyers. Yeah, we. Danner has a beautiful voice, Ugh. and he can sing um, Javert better than anyone. I don't know, but you know, like we don't want to get stung by our lawyers. I'm so. not a man who likes musicals. Yeah, I don't love musicals, but I yeah. love one musical, and okay. it's called Les Misérables. Great, and I encourage you, Jack, to listen to it because it's fucking good here's what i'm gonna encourage myself to do is get back to oh we're reading we're talking about a book yeah my burn of the week oh, okay which is also yeah my claudia's closet yeah oh boy layers on layers and matthews martin princess martin princess's own princess's own princess and matthews martin. yep and Princeton Martin. Look, Jesus Christ, for the love of God. And, it, like, actually, normally this is your fault, but I feel like this is partially my fault, so I'm going to take some responsibility for it. I'm trying to make some spurious, brief, specious point about this novel. And, yeah, and you're spend, also, like, like, fucking bobbing and weaving, like, combining segments. <laughs> Who do you that's... think you are? Ugh. Listen, we're going to have to go with it. Princeton's own. Princeton's <laughs> 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 and Matthews Martin spends, I can't get out of it, spends many paragraphs describing what everyone's wearing. Yeah. And I'm going to try to condense them a little bit to get to my burn of the week. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to see you thread this needle. <laughs> well, let's see. In a row on Claude's bed were Marianne, Stacy, and Claudia. Marianne, who could be pretty funky in her own shy way. <laughs> was wearing a very cool short printed jumper over a striped shirt. The jumper was white with a small red print, and the shirt was white with narrow, widely spaced stripes. I, like, my mind is, like, exploding trying to even imagine. Marianne looks like, remember when you used to have, like, a like you would watch movies on VHS, and you had to have the V-hold? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just that. It's just, like, She's just, like, <laughs> skipping out of frame back in. Anyway, for whatever it's worth, Claudia called the outfit a fashion risk that worked. (laughs) Is that your burn of the week? Not quite yet. (laughs) 
Like, it's already, like, it's getting there. Then she describes what Claudia's wearing. Jeans, plain white blouse, pink sweater, white socks, loafers. Uh, she said she said that she'd gone back to the 50s for the day. And then... Stacey's back, and I feel like we should maybe try to be a little more charitable to her. Okay, fine. Because we're going to have to put up with her. All right, fine. I'll describe what Stacy's wearing. It's a short sleeve blue and white jumpsuit with cuff pants. Ugh, boring. Whatever. Nobody cares what Stacy's wearing. I think if the, you could... the baby nation actually doesn't mind Stacy so much. I think it's just me and you. You know who they hate? Who? Christy? There's a number of people who have said, I skipped the Christy books because I hated Christy. There was a time where I would have agreed with you, Baby Nation, but I'm coming around on Christy. Christy knows what it's like to be the star and leader of a podcast. I mean, a, of a babysitter's uh, uh, club of some Good kind. Catch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, let me fucking land this burn of the week slash Claudia's closet. Last but not least was Dawn sitting backward in Claude's desk chair, resting her arms on the top rung of the back. Her outfit was fairly normal, pants and a baggy sweatshirt, but on her head was a small straw hat. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. Talk about fashion risks. (laughs) How small? There's something core here that's missing. If it's that much of a fashion risk, it must have been a pretty fucking tiny. Yeah. (laughs) What are you doing? Massive. straw hat right but why did you put a straw hat on in the first place Don? literally what the fuck are you doing she's just doing her best man she's a california girl you know she is you know what she is she's a fucking ghost she's like Jason she's a Mraz. ghost like, she's she- like sitting there with like no shoes on like playing a ukulele <laughs> or she's a fucking ghost and she's like trying to pass as a human <laughs> and she's like oh, i put on some jeans and Hello, a t-shirt fellow humans um And now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Um, a dilly dilly, my lord. <laughs> oh, hey, it's Evil Jack here. I was just workshopping some of the most evil ways to start an ad spot. Evil Tanner couldn't make it today because he's busy trying to break his previous record for how many people he can tell that they should smile more in a 24-hour period. I just wanted to give you an update on our uh, evil company, Better help, uh, where we help evil betters to um, make small, lucrative bets on extremely wicked outcomes. Uh, like, for instance, I bet that I can accidentally put my own bag on the weighing area of your self-checkout at the grocery store, so you have to call someone over to make the machine work again. Well, basically, since you asked, it's going uh, pretty badly. Um, because apparently the name of our company sounds too much like the name of our sponsor, BetterHelp. See, it's pronounced completely differently. They're online therapy that will uh, pair you with a licensed therapist in no time at all. Um, And in addition to not even really sounding the same as our evil company, BetterHelp is easy to use, it's entirely online, and they are super flexible, so it's no problem to fit them into your own schedule, which is completely the opposite of how we do it. Anyway, everyone's saying that we shouldn't use the name, which causes me grief, anxiety, self-esteem, and LGBT matters. And to make matters worse, um, I can't even get therapy for this stuff because I don't believe that men need therapy because I'm evil. If you're ready uh, to give online therapy a try, though, all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bedfellows today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bedfellows. Um, we should probably finish the plot of this book. Oh, yeah. There's, a, right. there's a strong B plot, which is that Buddy Barrett oh my God. is having a hard time reading. There's a B plot and an A plot we need to get through. <laughs> there's also an A plot that we haven't quite gotten to yet. Let's talk about the B plot. The B plot mm-hmm. is that Buddy Barrett mm-hmm. is having a hard time with reading. Mm-hmm. He's he's fallen behind the rest of his class. Right. He's not good with words. He's not good with reading, as Jack addressed earlier in the book. Mm-hmm. One of many people in this book mm-hmm. who's not good with reading, not good with the written word. Right. His difficulties relating to text. Yep. He finds them complicated. Yep. He has... As does Sophie, who has a number of glaring grammar mm-hmm. mistakes right. in her diary entries. That's what you caught on to in this like heartbreaking tale of a young woman whose mother dies does in childbirth. Emily Michelle Thomas, mm-hmm. who is... What is the word the doctors describe? Used to describe her? She is. I'm so glad you brought this up. Language delayed. Language delayed. And this she is needs to, she something needs to catch up on that we English. have talked about time and time again. Language is a controlling factor in these novels. Imposing the constraints of a language, particularly one that is controlled by a patriarchy, onto the citizens of Stony Brook, especially the young women, right. is a way of controlling them. Okay. And Emily Michelle, Christie's young sister, right. who is a force of chaos right. in Agreed. these books. Hard agree. Who is the closest that we have to breaking out of this like staid, desiccated paradigm of status quo in Stony Brook. Uh-huh. She's from Vietnam. She brings a new perspective. She brings a new light and a new way of doing things. Right. The way that she's described in this book is language delayed. And so they spent a lot of time trying to impose their language constraints onto her so that she can eventually be normalized, so that it can exercise this normative force on her. Oh, and she and she works fast. Oh, she learns yeah. two words. Yeah. Cookie. Yeah. Another cookie. Yeah. Emily Michelle is a major force in these books. I mean, I guess, but I mean, like she is not proved to be yet but this is i would so, assume she would be yeah. but like we're five books in now after yeah. the introduction of emily michelle and like this is her first major appearance this is her first word cookie cookie i had it in my mind that maybe it's not cookie she says cookie mm-hmm. maybe it stands for coo of kids incorporated experiment <laughs> that's all <laughs> like why would like if that's the first thing that she says and this is a book that reintroduces to us the idea my mind is reeling trying to make sense of that yeah like how does that make any sense it doesn't <laughs> but i'm way into it because she says it to christy too. she says it to christy and the reason that that coo the coo the kids incorporated experiment she wants to be the chief christy the chief operating officer she's like watch your fucking back christy i'm gonna be the coo i'm gonna be the chief operating officer of the kids incorporated experiment for baby b's Kids Incorporated is the babysitter's competitor that was launched by babysitter Mallory and babysitter Jesse. Right. In the babysitter's novel, Hello, Mallory. 
Yes. And the Babysitter's Club, they had become bloated. They were, like, losing clients. They weren't growing their business at the pace that they wanted to. Did this very, very smart thing. They made an acquisition, and they acquired Kids Incorporated, Inc. Right. And we have yet to see the value of that other than just the talent. This week, we saw it. Yeah. This week, we saw it because— They finally start to to prove their worth in the fact that they— now added a new revenue stream right. to the Babysitter's Club, yeah. which is tutoring. They're tutoring now. Yeah. They're tutoring in reading. Right. And it's perfect because when does tutoring happen? In the afternoons. And you know what else needs to happen when you're tutoring? Whoever is being tutored, if they have brothers and sisters, they need another babysitter in the afternoons to look after those brothers and sisters. Right. While the child who's being tutored is tutored. And so Christy... Thomas, who is a fucking genius, having acquired this babysitting conglomerate that both babysits in the afternoons and babysits two at once, just looks like such a smart play for her. She's entering into a new new sector. It's not just an acquire. She's not just getting talent. We're going to charge you double. We're going to send the experts from uh, like this fantastic firm that we've acquired called Kids Incorporated Inc., Jesse Mallory. One of them is going to tutor. One of them is going to babysit. Your kid's going to learn to fucking read. The other kids are going to get sat. Oh, and that that kid learns how to fucking oh, read. He learns how to read. Buddy Barrett is an A-level reader at the yeah. end of this book. In fact, he yeah. is promoted yeah. within the, the Stony Brook Academy right. from the Crow yeah. reading level to the Robin reading level. Right. Crow, scavenger, picking off the bones of the dead, Robin, spring bird, wow. hailing in the... the the rebirth and may i add to that and ask for your comment on the fact that the third level is hawk <laughs> active killer just like murderous predator, predator. yeah <laughs> Oof. that's Chills. the third reading level this is something that you'll never understand that's the reading level that i'm at yeah no, I'm, I'm i'm firmly robin <laughs> when you read and i think it comes out in these podcasts yeah when you read like I read, it's just like the like devastating. You were just like north, circling like, in the sky of these texts, yeah, yeah. just like waiting to scream yeah. down and like yeah, pick off the carrion. Yeah, and M. Martin makes like a half half of a Shakespeare reference, and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll never understand what that's like. Yeah, I um, I feel sorry for you in a way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just here like a spring babe. Just awed by the world. Everything is everything is fresh. Everything is interesting. Yeah. I'm a real buddy Barrett. Yeah. Buddy. I Tanner Greenring mm-hmm. did and not I, Jack Shepard have a tearful moment this week, did you? Did you capture anything? What kind of a moment? Uh <gasps> Tearful moment. I didn't have one. Did you? Um, no, not really. Princeton's own Princess and Matthews Martin can only do so much. <laughs> but the, like the closest I got were two. But they're like maybe it's more about me than anything else. Mm-hmm. I, it's weird. I don't remember Mr. Spear being in this book. <laughs> Actually, Mr. Spear is in this book, and oh, it is shit. fucking scandalous it's scandalous and i'm so much more interested in talking about that than my tearful moments so yeah I'm just fuck tearful fuck moment it. this week you know there what? is a little bit of romance in the yeah. air in stony brook connecticut yeah baby nation yeah there's a, a heart it's an anniversary 
oh, there's an anniversary this week. Yeah. One special couple mm-hmm. is celebrating their 25th anniversary. Yeah. And by 25th, I mean 25th date. date. Let me ask you a question before we reveal who that couple is. Yeah. Literally in what decade or world or society or any kind of situation, is it possible that you have gone on 25 dates with someone and they're not your girlfriend or boyfriend? I kind of think that that is what... Mr. Spear and Mrs. And Mrs. Schaefer. Schaefer are saying with this. They are going out. You know what they do? They send Dawn and Marianne over to Chrissy's house. They say, you girls have fun tonight. Yeah. Your father and I. Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Mr. Spear and I yeah. are going on our 25th date. I think what they're saying is like, we're an item. It's official. We're boyfriend, girlfriend. Do you remember your 25th date with your wife? Uh, Yeah. No, of course I fucking don't. (laughs) No, yeah, me neither. What the fuck is that? That like, are they both insane? They're like counting the twenty-five. Oh, because they're so in love, Jack, and it's beautiful. You know what he did? You know what he did? He went to her. He went to her. He did go to her, and I'm so fucking pleased. I'm of two minds about this. Yeah, because I think this is what we've been waiting for. Yeah, but also I don't want him to deny his feelings for Mrs. McGill. McGill. He doesn't have any. Yet. I think that might be true love, man. No, they haven't even met necessarily. Oh, I know, but like, you know, sometimes those sparks fly. Marianne's dad and Don's mom have loved each other since they were children. Yeah, they fucking found each other again after a brief and very trying period, wherein Don's mom decided to date a gentleman called the Trip Man. I suddenly just started feeling really bad for the Trip Man. Wait, really? What about the trip man? Is he okay? He's a bad person. No, he's not. He's one of us. He's like you and me, dude. He's just some dude. He plays golf. It's like some mid-30s dude who just like lives his life. He's got tortoiseshell frames. He plays golf. He wears pink polos. And like and and Don's mom is like, uh, "Hey trip man, I'm in I'm looking forward to going on our 22nd date. Uh, however, tomorrow I have a 25th date with Mr. Spear." Tripman's probably fucking chill with that man because he's a, he's like a modern dude. He's not chill about. He's anything. chill about it. He's gonna be like, oh, Trip cool, man. you know, like we're in an open relationship. You're <laughs> your own woman. You live your life. You live your truth. Yeah, we're each on our own journey. I don't feel like I don't get the vibe that that that's how he is. I'm not currently dating anyone else, but like I'm open to it, so it's cool. Like you just go and live your life. Ugh, maybe Tripman. Dawn's can, mom. Ugh, maybe Tripman and Mrs. McGill would be a better. We can set him up, matchmaker style. Oh, my God. Can we do that? <laughs> yeah. We, you know what Mrs. McGill fucking likes? Shopping at Tiffany's. We know Tripman has money. Tripman's got money. Princess? Princess. Princess own Princess Anna Martin. If you're listening to if this. If you're listening to this. In the past. I hope you are. God. I Make it so that Tripman and Mrs. McGill end up together. Yeah. Tripman can go, like, catch the, like, back nine. Oh. <gasps> That sounds so nice. At some fucking golf course in like he in just Jersey. hands he hands Mrs. McGill a thousand dollars and he yeah. says, "Go he's buy like, yourself something nice. Like, I'm yeah. gonna go golf the back nine at Pebble Hill." Yeah, and she's like, "Isn't that in Skyland?" He's like, "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's beautiful." And then you know who fucking lives happily ever after? Mr. Spear and Mrs. Fucking Schaefer. Oh, he went to her. Uh, he went to her. He went to her. It's a match made in heaven. My last note, Jack. Okay. And yep. then we have to wrap up. Mm-hmm. Comes in the postscript. Okay. 
Can I just read the whole postscript? Please. Please. Yeah. Dear reader, I've never been a diary or journal keeper, but when I was young, in fact, starting on the day I was born, my mother kept a diary for me. I love looking back at the diary to find all sorts of things. What my first day of school was like when I finally learned how to ride a two-wheeler or simply what I did on June 10th, 1958. What? Happy reading, Anna Martin. (laughs) Wow. Anna Martin, what did you do on June 10th, 1958? If you were listening to this right now, the baby nation wants to know, what did you do on June 10th? 1958. And Anna Martin, we're putting you on blast. You're putting you on what blast. What happened? What happened? June 10th, 1958. And we know it's documented. Yeah, baby nation, baby army. Baby army. <laughs> <laughs> Go forth into the corners of this country, of this great country, and bring back to us <laughs> any information you have on what may have happened on June, June 10th, 1958, 1958, that Ann Matthews Martin has been concealing for almost 30 years. What time do you think it is, bud? <laughs> well, 30 years since she wrote these books. 50 yeah. years since the like the event happened. Right. We just read a book. We just talked about a book. Yep. That book was Mallory and the Mystery Diary. Yep. Next week, we're going to be reading another book. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. You and me both. Okay, sir. Okay. We're both going to be reading another book. Okay. A book that is in the babysitter's cycle. Yeah, obviously, Jack. <laughs> I'm trying to lead up to We're it. reading Infinite Jess <laughs> next week. Yeah, we're going to be reading David Foster Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> no, Infinite Jess. What we're actually reading is... A book that is number 30 in the babysitter's cycle, Marianne and the Great Romance. Do you think it is a romance with Logan? Nope. No? I think it's a romance between one Mr. Spear and and Mrs. Mrs. Schaefer. Good. We just read a book. We just talked about a book. Next week we're reading another book. I have been Jack Shepard. I've been Tanner Greenring. Claudia is wearing a bra now. The way she talks. <laughs> Putting a little English on the ball this week, huh? You would think that boys had just been invented. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Hey, is it? Hey, Jack. Is it hot in here or is it just my vocals? <laughs> no, it's hot in here. We turn off the air conditioning. Yeah, my vocals are a little hot too, though. Okay. I feel like that's something you can fix in on the... Babysitter's Club Club. Yep. Babysitter's Club Club. Baby power. 